listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've also got Isaac back in our ears. We've got a full house yet again. Oh. So we are 100% factual, 100% funny, 100% non-libelous. Comedy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the nuclear family's back in tech. It's so nice to have you all back. Yeah, our mum Lang is back. <laughs> Ready to be harsh but fair on climate. I always saw myself as kind of the weird uncle, but that's okay. <laughs> Turns out he's our weird mum. <laughs> Oh, weird. Um, let's just get fucking stuck in because yet again, there's a lot of bullshit that's been happening this week. Most of it coming from the Liberal Party, but a fair chunk coming from the Labor Party. Shocking. What? Mm, it's bipartisan bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Federal Liberal MP Michael Sukert was implicated in a branch stacking scandal in pretty much exactly the same circumstances <laughs> as Adam Sumurek a couple months ago in Victorian Labor. You might remember that uh, Sumurek was kicked out by the party pretty much immediately and uh, Labor implemented a freeze on memberships and started auditing all of their roles to ferret out the corruption and responding in kind to that, Scott Morrison of his corrupt MP said that the issues raised in Sunday Night's Report are a matter for the Victorian division of the Liberal Party, and he has to focus on the coronavirus. So, good on Morrison for standing yeah. up for that one as well. Just <laughs> buck, yeah, the, buck always stopping here. The Victorian Labor Party went as hard as they could ferreting out corruption in one of the most extreme examples ever, and when it hit the federal Liberal government, Scott Morrison went, no, but Corona, stop it. I'll only please. be impressed when the Greens can manage a branch stacking scandal. Like... <laughs> The Greens uh, do that, but it's is... just that they're like little Burning Man ceremonies. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is the thing, is that like when, when we talk about like Adam Samirik or Michael Suka, what has happened is that someone in their party with a good relationship to some journos has just gone, fuck it, let's take him down. Or I've got some factional workings taking place. I'm just going to give some evidence to a journalist about one particular person doing what fucking everyone does all of the time. Yeah, like it's it's. I think it's, it hasn't really had an impact because everyone just knows it happens all the time anyway. So it's like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, That's a thing. It does explain Scomo's reaction of like, what do you have to say about the revelations that Michael Suka has <coughs> been engaging in branch stacking? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, That's bad. He's like, ah, oh, is, oh. is it? <laughs> I got in through branch stacking. Is it? Should we not? To, look, I've, isn't there a plague on? Should I focus on that? Am I doing the right thing? I just think it, it's more like, hey, Scomo, there's a lot of corruption going on in your party. He's like, I hardly think party leadership is concerned with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just the fucking bumbling, thumb-twiddling, wet baby Morrison just being like, well, I don't know. And just, I, I mean, this is just more of an example of how what you can really do in federal politics is nothing. <laughs> and that's the best way forward, most of these things. Like, Trump does it all the fucking time. Scott Morrison does it a lot. You just don't say anything. Our fucking our weak-willed journalists will not follow up on stuff. I actually forgot this story. This happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, say I looked at it in the doc and was like, oh, yeah. They, <laughs> like, time is meaningless at the moment, and Scott Morrison understands that, so he's just going to ignore yeah. shit. And our journalists are going to be like, oh, but give us a quote. We need quotes. I think more than that, this is, like, when Labor had that whole thing, you think about like the Australian and the Herald Sun, they're all like, oh, scandals, oh, parties collapsing, they're eating each other. Well, yeah. The Herald Sun on the day that this happened, I think this was on like page three along with Penguins on Parade or something. Like page one was, <laughs> oh, I'm gold panning with my kids. The scandals are driven by the media. They're driven by 
this kind of people going, oh, should we make this a scandal? Let's make it a scandal. If you don't make it a scandal, it's not a scandal. And he can just continue on. I think that it's like a newsworthiness thing. Like you see that it's very much like a, a sort of politically aligned thing. Like if the Greens are ever involved in, in like caught in something, oh, uh, yeah. you know, shady, like th- everyone loses their fucking shit. <laughs> if if Labor's caught up, people were like, oh, mate, something's got to be done. And if Liberals get caught up, they're like, well, w- we can talk about it. It's because news has to report on stuff that's interesting. Yeah. And so like Liberal <laughs> MP corrupt. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Like it rained and people got wet. Dog bites sure. man. You know, we can't... <laughs> put that in the news but then like a greens mp people expect them to not be corrupt and so that's surprising that's newsworthy it's just the the the, the greens uh, get the most attention on them because everyone knows that they're good people and then like labor gets like a bit of attention because everyone knows that they're sort of like kind of shit but not like evil just kind of useless mm. and so like, like <laughs> oh whatever and then the liberals when they're doing bad shit everyone's like well yeah who cares they're the bad guys everyone knows they're the bad guys you're not gonna bloody put uh, the front page news sauron deploys an army of all like yeah he's fucking always doing the that. news here is that the labor the liberal party does some bad shit that you get evidence of and can pin them on. It's like, ha, huh, they fucked this one up. They didn't cover that up very well, guys. <laughs> There's always evidence, though. It's always, they don't Not to be the moral police, but, like, the last sort of big Liberal Party, well, Liberal National Party sort of scandal that I can think of that made the front page and was, like, widely reported and then forced some action was Barnaby Joyce rooting. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Barnaby yeah, Joyce roots. That's Stop it. the presses. <laughs> It, it also didn't result in any consequences. Like, the, there was the rooting stuff, and there were people talking about, like, oh, he had an affair. Nobody was talking about the fact that he just got his mistress installed in a 200,000-year-old like yeah. job. $200,000 job <laughs> with no qualifications or evidence that she'd done anything. And it, 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 she's still in that job, and he's still an MP. Yeah. Like, it's not illegal for him to root. It's just, like, he gave her a job in the same way that uh, Quedalveg gave his girlfriend a job. I love that you can be like the Barnaby Joyce scandal and people go, which one? You know, the really bad one. No, the you're going to have to be more specific. You know, uh, the one where he sold millions and millions of dollars for water, but, you know, didn't actually get the water and paid well. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the, the sex one. The one where you have to think of his, like, red face reddening over the top nah, of you. No, 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 Thanks. <laughs> you're going to have to cut that. But never fear. Everyone, never fear, because Albo came out fucking guns blazing. <laughs> oh, both barrels, swinging. bang, bang, just did not hold back. Albo, direct Albo really quote, the leader hard. of the opposition, Anthony Albanese, said, If Michael Suker is still sitting there at two o'clock as a minister, then that is a, is a failure of Scott Morrison's leadership. Bam! <laughs> Got him. fighting what words? The fucking- Oh, I tell you what, and do you know what happened? Do you know what happened after he said that? Two o'clock that afternoon, Michael Suka was still sitting there at two o'clock. He was still sitting there as a minister. And two o'clock the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Continue. It's been a week, and I tell you what, Albo is there in his office, and he has this whiteboard up, and it's got a little little column that says failures of Scott Morrison's leadership. Oh, and I tell you what, he's putting a tally mark in that box. Oh my god, it's just, it's so oh. savage. You look at this box, it's got seven tally marks in it. Fuck, man. He sits there next to the phone. He's like, they're going to call me any day now, just to, to check in if I've got another little comeback about that. Phone doesn't ring. Do you know what happened at two o'clock that day? Liquid lunch, martinis. It was great. No one gives a shit about you, Albanese. You fucking weak as piss nothing. You fucking... I just... Oh, he just... 
How do you feel about it? There's something about the the failures of his speechwriter. The failures of his speechwriter are one thing, but the fact that he can't even deliver milk toast nothingness. He can't even stand there and pretend like he has a spine. He's just ah well, well, this frotting fish is a. He doesn't know. You can tell he has no fucking convictions. I have the only way I can picture him like getting through any of the union movements or the labor like leadership is just like a slime that seeps through grates and he just accidentally forms at caucus <laughs> meetings like oh we'll vote for this guy because we don't know nothing about him oh cool <laughs> oh, no. so uh job agencies uh it came out this week they've been handed 500 million dollars over the course of the pandemic mm. which is great because it's just a long line of them being handed a lot of money for no reason God, $500 million to the job agencies. Everybody must be employed at that rate. Yeah. yeah. Are they giving this money to the unemployed? What's happening here? <laughs> also, like, where, where are these jobs coming from? Like, all I see these days is people posting, like, pictures of their SEEK applications where it says, like, 3,000 people have applied for this Boost Juice job. Yeah, but who helps those 3,000 people write all those applications for that one Boost mm. Juice job? <laughs> so, it's keeping them busy. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's yet more just we like not even insanity. There is a there's a method to it. Serena Russo and people like her are friends with people in the Liberal Party, and the Liberal Party like punishing poor people, and they do it through job agencies. So to make sure job agencies can survive the economic slowdown due to COVID, they need to keep them employed. They need to keep those agencies up. So they will just give them fucking money to stay there and do it, regardless of the fact this is like giving mining subsidies to companies after Australia has been entirely stripped bare. Like, there's no there's no more coal to dig up. Well, we'll give Adani a bunch of money. Like, there's no jobs, you fucking idiot. Spend that money on creating work. I, I think that's giving a lot of benefit of the doubt to the job agencies, though, Mitch, because even when there are jobs, the job agencies are not useful. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I mean, yes. I love that concept of, oh, there's been an economic slowdown, so we have to support job agencies hang on the job agencies agencies whole role is to support people or help people who don't have jobs if the economic slowdown should be a boom time for them if they had a real role even without like the free money that they get on a regular basis i often like i think about how many times like so many people friends of mine colleagues of mine like who talk about like having to work with job agencies when they're unemployed and you always hear stories of like you know that they were absolutely useless. If anything, they tried to get the credit for me getting my own job. I keep on wondering what what's it going to take? What kind of scandal could possibly happen in job agencies for any action to be taken? Like you see Serena Russo in like decked head to toe in Chanel and yet nothing happens. It's, you yeah. know what you know what would bring down job agencies would be if they actually provided a framework for workers to band together, get jobs and demand better uh, wages. Uh, the Liberal Party would shut them down in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> if they actually did their job. Are you saying if they were the Australian unemployed Workers' Union. 100%. That's what would bring down job agencies. Um, so, hang I think we skipped who we fucking hate JobKeeper agencies without mentioning, like, what the go is with this $500 million. Is this just they're paying them extra money to do the same thing they were doing already, or is this for anything specific? Yeah, so they just get, like, grants all over the place, and they the, the, the article that was actually talking about this was identifying, like, these crazy, like, double-dipping opportunities that the, the JobKeeper agencies were taking advantage of. There was an example of if somebody signed up to your job agency because they became unemployed but then they qualified to get job keeper through their previous job 
then you as the job agency could still claim the bonus that you're like, yeah, we got them a job. It's like they got the job that they already had. So we're paying job agencies money when unemployed people get JobKeeper, which is already the money that we're paying them for the job they shouldn't have lost kind of thing. And then the employment agencies also donate a shitload of money back to the government, don't they? Well, we got to pay the employment agency for something, Lang. So Serena Russell and Co., donate lots of money back to the government so kind of it's uh, a it, it is a, a money laundering scheme we take taxpayer dollars we give it to the job keeper agencies mm-hmm. they donate it back to the government in a form that now yep. doesn't have to be spent in an accountable fashion yep yeah, there's a bunch of reporting as yeah. well. We won't go into it too much. That just seems to show that like companies are taking JobKeeper, keeping people employed, yet still having like huge amounts of profits and going, "Hey, we made some money this year," which is just essentially government subsidized wages for companies to then give money to shareholders. Like a lot of the a lot of the government, mm. especially the Liberal Party, it is just money laundering. Which I feel confident in saying because there are criminals in the Liberal Party. They do criminal things. So when they do technically yeah. legal stuff, I'm pretty sure it's just money laundering at that point. I don't think you can say it's money. It's like it's not money laundering in like a legal sense. It's just like yeah. a thing that's shaped exactly like money laundering, but it's legal. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's exactly. legal money laundering. Yeah. I'm not casting aspersions on any Liberal Party members here for the money laundering that they do because it's not money laundering. It's just shaped exactly like money laundering. <laughs> it's it's la- it's lunny maundering. I don't know what that means. So. <laughs> In oddly good news, though, uh, which will no doubt dovetail into me screaming about the Labor Party again, there is a bunch of reporting that's come out in regards to JobSeeker and JobKeeper that despite all of this bullshit, despite the money laundering aspect of it, it has brought so many people out of poverty to have this increased rate of welfare. Who would have fucking thought that if you have welfare below the poverty line and then you increase it to above the poverty line, people so come out of poverty. So you've given people money to not be in poverty. Now they're not in poverty. But are you saying it's that easy? <laughs> the insanity. Well, it's not quite that easy because if everybody's bloody out of poverty, what's going to happen to the job agencies, the, Lang? The vileness of like continuing to like threaten people that, oh yeah, we're going to lower job seeker in X number of months' time. It's just like they're holding them over the well and saying, yeah, 100%. hey, just, just enjoy this for now. Like, enjoy buying Can't get those people back into poverty. Now, but we'll drop you down the well any second now. <laughs> this is wild for me is that there was this, like, the, the study has come out suggesting that, like, uh, poverty has fallen from about um, uh, 1.6 million people in this country to 1.1. They also estimated that without this increase um, in the support supplements, we would be at 3.6 million people living under the poverty line. And also, if we roll these back, there will be more people in poverty than there were before the pandemic hit. Which makes a lot of sense because the economy is worse than it was. Right? Yeah. So just keep that in mind when any of these motherfuckers tell you that we have to be cutting the mm. rate to get people into jobs because we just fucking covered there are no jobs. <laughs> keep it in mind when someone like Anthony fucking Albanese says that it's unfair <laughs> that people are suddenly getting more money than they were when they were working. That means that when they were working, they were getting under poverty wages. You fucking cunt, Albanese. Hey, Mitch, what do you think about Anthony Albanese? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> what what Mitch is trying to say is that this represents a failure of Anthony Albanese's leadership. Also, Mitch, it's not fair that you're criticising him now either because, you know, just today he says that he believes it's too soon to taper off JobSeeker, even though just this <laughs> week he voted against the Senate motion to maintain it. But he, it, it's cool to just say things now. The fucking... <laughs> 
The ALP have al dente backbones. I hate these motherfuckers so much. He came... So just as a quick timeline of things that have happened, Anthony Albanese read the room on massive numbers of unemployment and people scared about losing this new rate that, I will repeat, got them out of poverty. And he had the fucking political instincts of a, of a painted rock to come out and go, oh, look... Some people were paid unfairly too high, and that's not fair. And the, the government really buggered up those numbers, and everyone went, what the fuck are you talking about? They need the money to live. So then what he did was he voted down a motion from Green Senator Rachel Seawert, who is a fucking boss. She is a legend. I love her to death. Mm. Um, she was saying, we need to keep this rate at 5.50 a fortnight. Let's just, let's just do that. Because all Anthony Albanese and the rest of the fucking ALP morons have done is just gone, we need to keep the rate pretty high. Oh, well, how much do you think? Oh, look, who can who can say what a number really is? You know, maths is an abstract concept, so we can't really commit ourselves to, oh, yeah, oh, who, who can sort of say? It's not abstract when you've got to pay rent. This dovetails with, like, sort of my hobby horse about small L liberal people getting all up about means testing and, oh, they don't yeah. really need that much and some people don't deserve that. It's like, right. well, th there's a there's a system that can, you know, w that has the checks and balances for that. It's called taxation. <laughs> it corrects that immediately. Like, so just give people money now, make sure that they're all well cared for, and that stuff will resolve itself mm. later. Just make sure people don't die or are in poverty right now. Their value system says that it's more important that people who don't deserve it don't get it than people who need it do get it. They're like, oh, we better make sure that the people who don't deserve it don't get it. And it's like, the cost of that mm -hmm. is going to be that some people who do need it will miss out. And they were like, sold. Love that cost. On board. <laughs> Every single time, 100%. What I find quite strange is that they brought in this, you know, at kicking and screaming, they brought in some increased welfare at the start of this pandemic with the absolutely at that time going, we are making plans for when we tone this back or when we bring it down. They always have had that end date very firmly in mind, um, which is very strange because that showed a level of forward planning and predicting and like crunching the numbers. They're going, how long is this pandemic going to last? What's the curve of the economy going to be <sighs> that they do not show anywhere else? If you ask, oh, what's our plan for reducing emissions by 2050? We don't know. We can't tell you. We don't know how long it's going to take. What's our plan for reducing fossil fuel subsidies? Don't know. Can't tell you. What's our plan for fucking literally any other spending that you do anywhere when you give extra money to the military, when you give extra money to anyone? Oh, that's commercial incompetence, Lang. Can't talk about it. Who knows? Right. I'm not an oracle. You know, okay, you're, you're increasing... You're opening up Christmas Island again. You're increasing your detention centre workforces and shit. How long is that going to be? When are you going to tone that back down? No, no plans. Indefinitely. But as soon as you're giving a little bit of money to the most desperate and poor people in society, you've got to be going, you're only getting this for six months. We've set an end date and we might talk later about extending that if this global pandemic turns out to be a long thing. It's wild. Thing I want to hit just quick, just speaking to any potential Labour voters out there, <laughs> anyone with a little with a little teardrop in their Twitter name, whatever. <laughs> so I mentioned that the Green Senator... Rachel Seaway tried to, you know, call for a motion in the Senate, keep the rate at 550. The Labour Party sided with the Liberal Party in voting that down. Then they also sided with the Liberal Party on passing through their bullshit, which will really fundamentally fucking hurt workers in the long term. You have fundamentally fucked up as an opposition party if any media outlet can write these two sentences. I just want to read out the headline and the lead line from The Guardian. 
Labor to pass government's Job Seeker 2.0 despite concerns for workers' conditions. ALP says it didn't want to stand in way of extending wage subsidies despite fears. Bill will allow companies to shift liability for recovery onto workers. Oh, we're really worried about what might happen, but you know what? We don't want to get in the way. You're the opposition party! Well, they, they do that thing where they say, hey, what if we, oh what if we had this change? And the Liberals go, nah. And Labor goes, ah, fair enough, we tried. It's like, you're never going to get anything negotiated. Whereas if you try to get something past the Liberals, you say, hey, what about we don't, you know, kill the entire planet? The Liberals go, nah. <laughs> okay. Just this idea that you can be so thoroughly fucking wedged by an incompetent boob like Morrison by just going, oh, we, we really want workers to have enough to live on. And Morrison goes, no. And they go, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. Like, how, how can you not, you're the party of workers. How can you not turn that into a wedge against Scott Morrison? How can you, how can you fuck up at going, Scott Morrison wants you to starve to death and you know it because your bank account fucking sucks now. My firm belief is that Albo knows he's never going to be prime minister. So he's just about <laughs> as, as effective as a wet lettuce. And, and it, it's just so, <laughs> it's so funny to see like Labor Rustadons going hard on talking about Albo going like, oh, he looks really fit today. Like, oh, he looks like prime minister material. It's like, no, he doesn't. And he knows it. And like, he's still... <laughs> Are you saying that Anthony Albanese has, like, a public shame kink? Yes. Is that, what- that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> that is exactly I'm sorry, what I'm I can't saying. do anything. He absolutely he knows that he's not going to be prime minister anytime soon. When it rolls around to the next election, he knows that he's not going to be there. So why Anth- bother? We didn't plan to spend this whole episode ragging on Albo. This was not <laughs> our plan. We had other things to talk about. And somehow we've just... Descended into, hey, let's just rag on Albo. Yeah, no, I did. <laughs> no, yeah, Mitch was, Mitch was excited for it. Uh, but also, we were talking about the fact that there's no jobs going around in, in terms of like the, the sort of failure of our government to provide for the, the people who need to work to live. Uh, and the claim that there's no jobs is also inherently ridiculous. There's this poster that's been going around that's from the Black Panther Party from, gosh, you know, many years ago, back like sixties. It says the year 90,000. No, that's a postcode. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry, everyone. Um, I'm just going to read it out because uh, it's really good. Uh, this poster says, if you're unemployed, it's not because there isn't any work. Just look around. A housing shortage, crime, pollution. We need better schools and parks. Whatever our needs, they all require work. And as long as we have unsatisfied needs, there's work to be done. So ask yourself, what kind of world has work but no jobs? It's a world where work is not related to satisfying our needs. A world where work is only related to satisfying the profit needs of businesses. This country was not built by the huge corporations or government bureaucracies. It was built by people who work. And it is working people who should control the work to be done. Yet, as long as employment is tied to somebody else's profits, that work won't get done. It's, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I think about this a lot. It was 1960s America, it's fucking 2020 Australia. Like, it's just eternal truth. Hook this shit to my veins. Mm. And it's why all of the jobs are telemarketers, but there's potholes in the roads. No one wants to be a telemarketer, no one needs that to exist. We need potholes to be fixed, but there's no money in it. It's one of the clearest things I've ever seen written. It just hits every single point succinctly and beautifully. It would it would not fly as a podcast. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Federal energy idiot Angus Taylor this week had a little bit to say about gas. Gas provides the firmed power necessary to balance the record levels of investments we're seeing in solar and wind. Far from competing with renewables, gas complements those renewables, Mr Speaker, by helping to stabilise the grid and reducing emissions at the same time. Mr Speaker, gas also provides that critical feedstock for industries uh, like chemicals, like fertiliser for agriculture, Mr Speaker, like plastics for PPE. Like plastics for PPE, gas. Fuck it's him. what we need. It's so beautiful to us. Ooh. It's saved gas is what's saving us from the pandemic. You're precious. You love your masks, don't you, lefties? We love it. We love it. We love it, don't we, folks? We love the gas. Where do you think your masks come from? They come from fracking. We yeah. need it. Yeah. <laughs> there was an ad from ages and ages ago that my band actually used, like back in 2012, from a, um, I think it might have been Enron or like a, it was an American oil company that had this amazing, like, intro and it showed like um all these different amazing things that are possible with carbon dioxide and then the music turned it was like dun dun <laughs> now some people want to uh label carbon dioxide a pollutant and then it had all these things about like they want to take it away they want to take away your car and your house but the last line i will never fucking forget it is seared into my brain there's nice music comes back and there's a sunrise over a field and it's the, the tagline was carbon dioxide they call it pollution. We call it life. Uh, and like, oh my God. at the very least, that was positive. But the sniveling shit Angus Taylor, he may as well work for the fucking Labor Party. This sniveling shithead <laughs> comes in and being like, mm, plastics for PPE. Remember them? Remember how you don't want to get coronavirus? Well, checkmate. Oh. <laughs> just so like, just this like transparent, like trying to pluck at the heartstrings just to spruit. Ga oh, gas has a lot of important products. Don't you understand? Formula for sick babies is produced by gas. The good smell when you hug your loved ones. That's from gas. Is what natural gas it's it's everything that's happiness greg hunter comes out and he just goes fucking hey do you know what powers the heater in the old folks homes gas <laughs> <laughs> mitch that ad sounds like my favorite ad game bank super yeah. insurance and, and you just gotta <laughs> yeah. add like power into there as well just like the whole like completely like sunrise sort of ad they have of like a couple in love and a family <laughs> playing in a park or something and just a completely unrelated thing at the end yeah. of it because they've got nothing yeah. now. When it comes to misleading ads, you really cannot beat the fossil fuel industry because they're selling a product that they know is actively killing millions of people, that we know is actively killing millions of people, and yet their poor fucking job, uh, their poor marketing agencies are having to somehow sell this as, like, the best thing in the world. And they can't be like, you know you need petrol, it goes in your car. They have to be like... Um, poor marketing agency. <laughs> yeah, obviously, fuck any marketing agency that takes on a job from Shell or Enron. Spare a thought for the poor <laughs> marketing agency. But they've kicked that off to some unplayed intern. They've given him a password for a stock footage website and they've said, make climate there's change not, sexy. There's not enough cocaine in Sydney to get these marketing firms through this. Oh. But no, 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 but it's seriously impressive. The level... And honestly... You've started me off on a whole tangent now, but the level of misinformation and just this really creepy, insidious propaganda um, put out by fossil fuel industries, because no other industry in the world has had to do or does propaganda quite like them. Like we saw, we can look back on cigarette advertising. That was pretty blatant. That was, oh, doctors say cigarettes are good. And everyone's like, mm, probably not. 
but but fossil fuel industries have propagandized just so effectively that they get their propaganda spread by environmentalists. Um, oh Christ! It's it's wild. Like I was looking up because because my my job involves like teaching kids about climate change and stuff like that, and occasionally I look up like teaching resources like that teachers can download to teach the kids about fossil fuels and stuff. And those teaching resources are made by like the Minerals Council. And it's like, here's how, here's Wally the Wombat. He's, he's doing a, a mine and they dig, they, there's stuff under the ground and they dig a big hole and they get the stuff out and they use it to build cars and toys and all the things you need. And then when the mine is done, they fill it back up and they cover it over with plants and a park. And I'm like, what? And down the bottom, it says sponsored by the Minerals Council, but probably one of the most insidious ones uh, is the concept of the carbon footprint. And that's the whole. Oh, you want, you care about climate change? We do too here at, here at BP. Uh, we've invented this thing called the carbon footprint calculator. So you can measure how much carbon dioxide your two bedroom house is emitting because it's, it's your fault and you need to fix it. Lang, Lang, I, th- I think you're burying the lead there. Um, the carbon footprint calculator was invented by BP. They invented the concept. <laughs> um, We're doing our bit for the environment. We invented a button, and when you press it, it says, you did it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, calculate your own fucking footprint, BP. Anyway, anyway, back to Australia. Back to Angus Taylor, who is the tiny little tentacle at the end of the giant fossil fuel octopus. He's just the tentacle that is strangling us. I love the way that Australia can't figure out why they want gas. They know they fucking want it. We need gas. We need so much gas. Why do we need gas? Oh, there's a million reasons. I can't think of one right yeah. now. Oh, if we if we if we use gas, then maybe we can get the poor people off of welfare, right? That's the yeah yeah. Uh, don't make me justify it. There's no time. We've got to get this gas happening. And these are the excuses you'll hear. And I want you to remember that all of these are bullshit. We've got obviously the Coronavirus Economic Recovery Commission entirely stocked by gas people, and they're like by extracting. And exporting more gas will get Australia's economy going and will make jobs and stuff. Now, that's all bullshit because gas, <laughs> the gas industry is in is in total freefall. Uh, there is a gas surplus around the world. Uh, a lot of places are having to pay you to take their gas. You know, the Financial Times is all like, do not touch gas stocks with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. Um, gas is, is not helping Australia's economy at all. It makes up a tiny, tiny fraction of our economy. And most of the gas companies don't pay any tax. So it doesn't even help. Uh, build Australia's infrastructure. Okay, people will say gas makes jobs. No, it doesn't. Um, the the analysis says that you could, if you invested money in literally any other <laughs> economic sector, literally any other economic <laughs> sector in Australia. Enough. Literally, <laughs> this isn't literally. literally metaphorically. This is literally, literally. <laughs> Government could be more effectively spruiking a, a hairdressing lead recovery. Oh yeah, do you know if you put a million dollars into hairdressing, do you know how many hairdressers you employ? Like a bunch. And and so there's a graph, we'll put it in the thing. It's like education training, obviously at the top is a very human focused thing. Healthcare, accommodation, food services, admin, all of those things are things that employ a lot of people. Creative and performing arts, fantastic. These are all the things, by the way, that the government has watched die. Uh, usually with their foot on their neck. Agriculture, sure, you employ a lot of people agriculture. Right down the bottom, you have mining, coal mining, metal ore mining, and then oil and gas extraction. This is jobs per millions of dollars of investment. If you're extracting a lot of gas, you have a giant gas factory 
and it's watched by like one guy with a switchboard. Yeah, Homer Simpson. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so you're not making jobs. You're not making jobs. No one can argue you're making a lot of jobs. The the one or two people who have their jobs, eh, they're probably pretty well paid jobs, but it's hardly helping Australia's unemployed. Yeah, I mean, like federal MP is like hundreds of thousands right. of dollars a year. But we're not we're not pumping billions of dollars into the into the government sector to try and make jobs. I mean, we are. Oh no, I was making a joke about how they work for the fossil fuel industry. Right. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. But they're not pushing the buttons. That is something worth hammering though, because like when Adani was supposed to be going through, right. there was like, oh, well, they're going to be creating thousands of jobs, and then the reports <laughs> came out and they said they're going to be creating hundreds of jobs, and then literally it was, dozens making of jobs. Dozens. Yeah, exactly. Because people. <laughs> still think that mining yeah. involves like guys with little lights on their helmets down in the mines like mm. you with a pickaxe working and it's not it's mostly fucking automated now it does not Absolutely. create jobs the same thing can apply to the automotive industry like they killed that and there's like oh yeah you know we've lost all these jobs but, but these are people who can still be redeployed into green jobs as well yeah. like there's no reason for them not to be and again people just think that like automotive um, manufacturing and manufacturing in general just involves like lots of people just going you know, with a hammer and nail. And so, okay, so it's not jobs. It's not the economy. They say, oh, we've got to invest in gas to lower our gas prices because Aussie mums and dads are paying too much for gas. No, Australia is the world's biggest exporter of gas. Um, so clearly we have enough. We've got more than enough. We're giving it away. You pay more for Australian gas in Australia than you do overseas. Okay, we export it for cheaper than we sell it to our own Australians, if you go to, I don't know where we export our gas to, Japan or something, and you turn on your gas-powered Australian gas stove, you're getting a cheaper gas price for Australian gas. It's mind-boggling because it's all run through this complex series of private shady backroom deals. Um, if we dig up more gas, we will just be exporting it. It won't fix our gas price because our gas price is fucked for a whole different reason. Uh, so it's not going to lower your energy prices. They say, okay, it's for the environment because gas will help firm up renewables. Okay, well, firstly, I just said we have enough gas. So the AEMO, which is an acronym we struggle with a lot, that's the Australian Energy Market Operator. They've done a whole lot of future scenarios looking at our energy mix in our climate scenarios. They've done 100 different scenarios or more, and none of them involve more gas. The people who are looking at reducing our climate emissions have looked at this, and they see that none of their scenarios involve Australia having more gas generation. Even the people who don't give a shit about the environment and are just about money understand that we don't need more gas. We have enough gas power, coal power, we can build enough batteries and everything that all of these fossil fuels are only going to decrease as we increase our renewables. To say we're going to increase our gas generation to help our increase in renewables to reduce our emissions is insane because gas is emissions. Right. Gas is a fossil fuel, isn't it? Ga gas is a fossil yeah. fuel. Not only is it a fossil fuel, it's basically the fossil fuel that we need yeah. to be worrying about. It's a, it's, a, it's a high emission, like, technology. It's, yeah, there's no, people, and the government is trying to gas classed as a low emission energy so that we can throw <laughs> climate money at gas. So that's the fix. There you go. If you've got a high emission technology, all you need to do is reclassify it as a low right. emission technology. Yeah. If the law says it's a low emissions technology, I don't think you can say that it is a, a high emissions technology. Like you got to you got to be careful there. It's like saying <laughs> the government does money laundering. It doesn't. <laughs> it engages it's in something that's shaped identically to money laundering. <laughs> But here's the thing, if you're trying to say gas is a low emissions technology, then I want to know what you think is high emissions. Coal. Okay, it's coal. We've 
Anything else? No. Just coal. Well, not all coal, though. Not clean coal. (laughs) (laughs) Coal is literally the only energy source. Oh, and oil. Coal and oil are the only things that you could say may be more emissions than gas. But really, if you crunch the numbers, gas is, is about just as bad as coal. So trying to say it's a transition fuel, it's all just scams. If you want to hear someone in power actually scream about this as much as we're screaming about it and you want to scream about it, um, again, Green Senator Rachel Seawert went fucking off chops uh, <laughs> this week. She just she fucking lost it. And it, it's amazing because you can hear in her voice that it's not a political stunt. She's just she's just podcasting, she's essentially, at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, last week we said that we wanted to see a Jed Kearney or somebody like just go off. In Parliament, uh, and and this week we saw it. I mean, she she didn't quite get to the point of calling anyone a cunt, but she got real mad. She implied yeah, it. She implied it. <laughs> <laughs> this is about economic opportunity and economic development, not about environmental protection. Order. Coleman, the name of the bill, the name of the bill is environmental protection. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, not economic development. You've got lots of other bills to do that. The government's agenda is really clear here, folks. They've just introduced amendments to the Clean Energy Finance Corporation. To guess what? To guess what? Make gas a low-emission fuel. What is that? There's no way it's a fossil fuel. Your your gas-led recovery is so plain. You're prepared to trash the environment, trash the environment for the future, to make sure that climate change runs rampant across this globe. That's what this is about. Um, and yeah, and that was in response to Matthias Coleman and co trying to get glass, uh, gas reclassified as low emissions technology. And that's so that it can take a chunk of the money that currently is earmarked for renewables and efficiency. The only bit of money, the only bit of money that the government says, this one is our little concession for climate. And then they go, wait, 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 no, 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 actually, actually, no, we want to give this to fossil fuels as well. Which, again, just because they have friends in the Mineral Council and they have their friends from the from the fossil fuel industries leading the COVID commission into how we're going to get out of it, just because of all mm. of those certain things and Angus Taylor's family mm. interests and stuff, it is not money no. laundering. Can't stress no. that enough. It is legal <laughs> and above board and good. No, because, I mean, for it to be money laundering, it would have to be a situation where the fossil fuel companies donate money yeah, to the Liberal absolutely. Party, right? And Labor. Yeah, but... I mean, but, but, but no, 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 no. I'm and I don't want to say... I don't want to say it's corrupt. It is evil, certainly. But it could be evil for lots of reasons. They might just be doing it for fun. They might not actually be corrupt. They might just hate animals and people. So, uh, you know, corrupt would be a strong world. Yeah. It's not like the New South Wales Minerals Council who were also in the news recently. (laughs) So there's a lot of talk in Australia by climate ghouls uh, about a a gas-led recovery. And the New South Wales Minerals Council are like, hold on, a gas-led recovery? That seems a little renewables-focused to me. What about a coal-led recovery? (laughs) Is a suggestion that they've put forward in a report called Mining for the Recovery. Uh, The report pushes for 21 new mines that would represent seven years' worth of Australia's current emissions (laughs) if those mines would go to head. And in the report, the council said, 
a series of economic shocks was threatening the state's economy. Economic shocks like drought and bushfires and a worldwide pandemic. Where the fuck do you think the drought and bushfires came from, (laughs) New South Wales Minerals Council? Do you think that maybe that's climate change? Oh, no, no, no. There may never be a more important time to support mining in New New South Wales. One of the largest contributors to the state. Get fucked. That report is basically just saying keep digging stupid. I was going to say, the the dig up stupid report coming in from the New South Wales Mineral Council. Fucking mining for the recovery. I like to think that the the government's putting out all of this propaganda saying, nah, gas is clean. Gas is a renewable. It's a low emissions technology. And the New South Wales Minerals got this uh, report, read it wrongly and went, hang on, gas is a renewable. No, no. No, we need that money for coal. Uh, one thing to remember as well, like we were talking about how all this stuff is above board and it's all legal because it's all in plain sight and there's no consequences because it's all legal. But if you are an activist and you're speaking out against it, there are definitely oh consequences God. for you. Oh, they're just. <laughs> this, this really shat me off this week. Um, this is, it really, like, not only did it happen, it was announced that it happened once, but it happened twice, uh, that Adani secretly tried to get permission from the Supreme Court to raid an activist's home. Fuck and, off. And just today, the Courier-Mail doxed another activist as well who was um, protesting against Adani. It's it's all state sponsored and media led. It's it's not only yeah state sponsored and, and media led, but it's again he is Mitch class reductionist Alexander coming through. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is an activist going to do legally against Adani if it goes through to the court? How like what the fuck are activists going to do in terms of like petitioning the Supreme Court to get like secrets on Adani mm. to raid their corporate headquarters? Like it it does not work. It doesn't work the like, other way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this this is this to me was terrifying because this is just more evidence pointing towards the fact that the creeping eco-fascism that might take hold in the next 50 years won't be government-led. It will be corporation-led. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is a long... This is, like, just another thing in a long history of, you know, mining companies and oil companies infiltrating activist spaces and trying to get intelligence and criminalising them uh, as revenge, basically, for protesting. It happened to close the gate as well. There is some good news to take from this, because this is the second time Adani has, has tried to raid this guy's family's home, and it's the second time that they have been rebuffed uh, by the Supreme Court, which is, I think, really nice, just for the fact that they haven't gotten away, which makes them look dumb as hell. The Supreme Court's gone, well, no, this is a terrible reason to try and do a police raid on this guy's family home where you're just claiming that he has evidence against you. It's trying to basically swat a private citizen. <laughs> Adani going up and just, sir, this is a yeah. Supreme Court. <laughs> Get <laughs> evidence on him. This guy has got them so shook that they're like, we need to have this guy killed. Like, that's scary as shit. Yeah. I mean, and, and seriously, that they will go there. Oh, God. Um, it's it's scary as shit that these corporations will just deploy the police as their own private enforcers to try and stop activists. But the fact that they've got Adani so worried about that is really good because it shows that the activism is working. Yeah. yeah. And not to get into a whole, like, rant about digital rights and privacy and that sort of thing, but this is exactly where it comes into play here, which is that if you have a culture of saying, well... We have the right to look at this if you've yeah. got nothing to hide. This is exactly how it can blow back against you. And it's also, on the, on the other side, if a corporation is fine with something, if they go, oh, yeah, you can have that protest, yeah, you can do that thing, that means it's not effective. 
If a corporation is fine with your activism, yeah. your activism is not effective. If your activism was effective, they'd be deploying the mace, <laughs> which is, is how you can tell the difference between a, a protest that is targeting the right places and the wrong places is how many police horses are there. So what you're saying is all those protests down in Frankston that they were saying that the the scamdemic is just a cover to get the 5G oh. towers up and the children out of the tunnels that were busted by the cops are 100% spot on. And we should be down All right, it's not a, it's with not Fuck yeah, Lang. 100%. Let's go. The storm is coming. Where we Look, go, I don't know who I have dirty solidarity with there, but it's probably by definition not the cops. I reckon yeah, I reckon those situations are sort of like, let's just let them fight it out for a exactly. while. Exactly. It's like Godzilla <laughs> and Mothra. I don't want either of them to destroy Tokyo. None of those protests have been accused of spreading COVID in the way that the Black Lives Matters ones have. So You mentioned before how Adani and, and similar companies try to take legal action and like basically slap down protesters. They've done that before to Adrian Baragaba, who is a traditional indigenous owner of the actual Adani area, one of one of many. They slapped him down with six hundred thousand dollars of legal fees, which bankrupted him basically, to try and stop him from taking uh land right cases against them. Of course, you bankrupt somebody for doing activism against you. Now what you have is a desperate activist. He's still doing it. I mean, it's su- this poor guy, but also that I, that is amazing that he is bloody out there. Keep in mind as well that that's not $600,000 in fines from cases brought against him by Adani. That's just the legal fees that they can force upon someone. He tried to take a case against them and they went, fuck you, we're going to destroy your life. You can't just sort of go, oh, no, I'm not going to participate in that. Adani and companies like that have the resources to scare people by just going, we can, we can just do this to you. Literally, the only thing you can do against these people is have enough people on your side that they can't individually arrest or bankrupt every single one of you. Yeah, that actually brings me on to some stuff that I want to talk about that I was talking about last week where I was talking about how I certainly want to see the people in power motivated by the fear of their own death from climate crisis rather than just the fear of letting down future generations. And I spoke about sort of, I don't agree with violence, but I obviously didn't really leave much room in my rhetoric between doing nothing and violence. And I just wanted to talk about how that space absolutely does exist between those two. And there's just some incredible Mm. work being done uh, by nonviolent protesters like Frontline Against Coal, uh, is a, a group in, in Queensland who, you know, they're chaining themselves to the machinery and, you know, setting up tents on train tracks and stuff to just physically blockade Adani and other, like, fossil fuel companies. So much respect for these guys. An incredible amount of respect for these but Like, considering the severity of the climate crisis, I reckon that their actions are on par with sheltering Jews from helping them escape Nazi Germany. Like, just that sort of Absolutely. non-violent resistance to the government that is directly saving lives is incredible. And these, these, some of these actions, uh, like, you'll see them called out as being, oh, it's really unsafe, it's dangerous. Really, it's it's not. It, you, you chain a thing to, you know, some piece of machinery, you chain yourself to a coal wagon. Um, you tell them that you've done this because that's the whole point is they know you're there. They're not going to freaking drive that wagon off and, and tear your arm off or anything. No one gets run over by these coal trains doing these actions. Someone had both of their legs broken at the protests against mining heads just meeting up for a conference in the CBD. Like, well, sure. violence can be done to you. Sure. People have broken arms by putting their arms into PVC pipes and barricading themselves against horse races. Yeah. 
there there is a risk of this. I do have unqualified respect for them because it is dangerous sometimes. And the problem is it's sometimes randomly dangerous. It's not like you're going to chain yourself to this machinery and you know you're going to get torn in half. It's like you might just have one fucking like one truck driver who's up to his eyeballs in nodos and doesn't see you. And then fucking bad shit happens. Like it is incredibly fucking dangerous and amazingly like inspiring and invigorating to see this sort of shit happening. I just want to qualify that to make sure it's, you know. Fair point, fair point. It does have elements of danger. But the the really impressive thing is you get one person chaining themselves to to something. If you hold up a coal train for one hour, you have lost them millions of dollars in profit. And that is beautiful because they can't just drive that coal train. They've got so mm. many safety regulations. Mm. All the workers, they have to shut down until they bring in the people who are approved to negotiate and remove this activist. That is yep. the most effective, like, standing in the way of climate change thing you can do. It doesn't matter how many LED light bulbs you have in your house. If you chain yourself to a coal train for one hour, you have just done millions of dollars to damage to fossil fuel company, um, which I think is pretty cute. <laughs> it's the profit motive. It's the mm. profit motive in a in a physical way. Actually, that you know what I hadn't even thought of that in terms of like delaying machinery costing money, but that's way more effective. <laughs> You're never going to appeal to their moral virtues, um, and also coal and fossil fuels are already losing money. You make them lose a bit more, even better. Yeah, watch the line go down, and all of a sudden, like your activism is just part of their like profit gain or or loss. Um, I just want to quickly shout out my mum and tell like a little quick like family anecdote is that she was part of the Lock the Gate movements up in the northern New South Wales area. And there was a time when they were moving machinery into one of like the logging areas. And so my mum drove away from the protest, got ahead. Once the protest had been broken up and the trucks had been let through, she just got onto a one-way street, parked her car, and then was the, pretending to just be a ditzy woman that didn't know a way around machinery <laughs> and held them up most of the day. Yeah. Like, wow. had that guys works. get out of their trucks, come over, pop the hood, have a look, what's going on? How can I help? Oh, I don't know. Got back into a car and did that three times before one of the guys was like, we're going to call the cops. And my mum was like, yeah, okay. And then drove 20 fucking kilometres an hour for as long as she could until they like, turn off the street so just you saying that lang made me think that like my mum directly lost them a few hundred thousand dollars oh, a million, maybe. in that yeah. sort of action which is cool considering the amount of guys and machinery they would have been paying for that time and uh, if these guys are union even better they don't care whether or not those machines go through they're still getting paid workers rights um yeah. It's like, imagine that you could go back to World War II and stand in front of a battalion of Nazi tiger tanks uh, and they weren't allowed to shoot you. Like, you're holding up the bad guys. Lang, Lang do you know anything no, not about really. World War II? <laughs> <laughs> or tanks? <laughs> do, you, do you know what those no, long things on the, the front thing. of tanks Yes, I said, like... and they're not allowed to shoot you. Like, a bulldozer is a tank without a gun. <laughs> Another group as well as Frontline Against Cult, there's uh, there's the actual traditional owners of the Adani lands who we spoke about very briefly before, oh, what's his name, Adrian Baragaba. That uh, group is still blocking the lands. Uh, so this is the Wangan and Jagalingu uh, traditional owners who are basically based on the site that is you know slated to be the Adani Carmichael mine. They have started physically blocking that mine construction as well, which is just incredible to see. 
um, especially considering it's their own land that was just taken from them. Last year, the Queensland government basically extinguished native title for about 1,400 hectares of their country. Labor, the party of action. <laughs> yeah, so Mabo just doesn't exist there. Yeah, they were just like, look, obviously it's your traditional lands and you've got native title on it, but we just heard from Adani they want to build a mine there, so we said yes, uh, don't be mad. They stole the land, they kind of gave it back, then they stole it again. They pretended to give it back. They didn't actually. (laughs) They were always intending that if they found some coal, they'd take it back. But that's the thing. The traditional owners have issued eviction notices. I don't know how legally binding these things are, but the point is they're fighting Adani in this way where Adani now has to send their fucking million-dollar lawyers to fight this thing, wasting their time again. And they've said, yeah, we're re-establishing control of our own lands. They're trying to fight this not only physically, but also legally, which is just beautiful. Just any way you can fight these guys. Uh, the the last point that I also wanted to make just about the, the, the not leaving a gap between doing nothing and violence in climate activism and activism generally is while I'm personally a nonviolent person, maybe I was too flippant in discounting violence. I, I, I think that there is a coherent case to be made mm. against nonviolence as a tactic. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm particularly sold on it, but you look at sort of the more extreme protests that are going on in the States and the like, actual results that they're getting from that rather than just sort of being like, yeah. well, you, you held up the CBD for an hour and shame on you guys. Like, that's turning into a real movement. That's what I wanted to talk about in relation to your sort of point um, is that violence always comes, like, universally yeah. as a last resort in these situations when it comes to activism. It's usually you've been pushed to the point where you're like, okay, fuck this. We're not getting it any other way. Now's the time to, you know, to take back what's ours. Looting is happening now in the US, but this has come after years and years of being pushed and pushed and pushed in so many ways, in so many factors. Is it racism? Is it poverty? Is it COVID just, you know, overwhelming everyone else? Everyone's just like, well, we're not going to get whatever we want by just going to the polls and voting because, you know, you know, you've already seen in advance that nothing has happened from that. And you've been told so many times. Martin Martin Luther King said that a riot is the language of the unheard. Absolutely. And it, it, yeah. it is always framed as the first horrible thing to have happened. But it never happens but that unless, way. unless it is white people rioting because their hockey team won, <laughs> it is the last resort of people who have tried to do things by the rules of the oppressor who have then gone, well, if you are not going to respect me and all the rules, then I don't need to act respectfully. Yeah, and the, I, I think it's works. like there's so much difference between a riot that is just a riot versus a riot that follows years of peaceful protests yeah. that have gone yeah. ignored. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. And even within the sort of scope of violence, there's so much breadth in that term. It's a bit sort of almost useless. Like, there's so much difference between beating somebody up and just breaking a window. Like, property destruction is not violence in the same way that injuring somebody is. <laughs> if you burn down a bank, oh no, my target. You haven't hurt anybody. You just burnt down a building. Oh like- no, my Walgreens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Protect my chemist warehouse at all costs. And it's it's also corporations aren't people. Businesses aren't people. If you if you burn down, you know, a mum and pop fish and chip shop, that's obviously a terrible thing to do because that was their only source of income and you know probably their home. But a bank has nobody living in it or personally relying upon it. Um, 
we're getting we're getting we're getting awfully far away from a satirical comedy podcast here and into what? hey get no, out I'll bring it back I'll bring it back <laughs> What's the joke, I'll bring it back I just had a horrible thought about um, forty years from now Elon Musk is going to come out with the building that feels don't and steal he's gonna- my quarter senses <laughs> 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 through a fucking Kmart it's just like oh it's hot I'll stop <laughs> don't burn me no <laughs> well it's like it's like uh, near the start of the riots and protests in America where you had people just walking into Target and walking out again with a lamp um, or like a Lego that they had their eye on all very very peacefully just walking in and walking out the only difference between that and normal shopping is they're not giving some money to Target and fuck Target um, <laughs> so and good. and people on Twitter being like if I was a Target employee I'd be like so oh no Lego's just down that way have a nice day sir because like Target employees don't give a shit they're not making money from every Lego set not stolen um, screw them. <laughs> weird simp that looks at their fucking healthily insured big business employer and just like, no, not the lamps. <laughs> Let him have a lamp. <laughs> Shoutouts this week. Massive big shout out to Green Senator Rachel Seward, who we have mentioned a bunch of times in this show. We Honestly, we her. should have been mentioning her nearly every episode before this she is so fucking good and her her fucking shouting at the Liberal Party about trying to make uh, gas a low emissions technology is just, it is the rage that we all feel. In, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. it's the bare minimum that some of our politicians, well, all of our politicians who want to actually fight for climate like action need to be taking. And we're shouting her out because she's fucking leaving government. <laughs> God damn it. She's leaving uh, politics. She's retiring. Look, I'm not I'm not for standing politicians generally, but I feel like just on the occasion of her retirement and how much good work that she's oh, yeah. done, she deserves a fan cam now. I was gonna I was gonna fucking say, yeah, it's like, oh <laughs> You know what you know what's amazing about the Rachel Stewart stuff is that I'm not hot for her. I just think she's a good fucking politician. She's amazing. <laughs> We need just freaking TikTok teens lip syncing her speech to friggin' Corman, not the bloody Julia Gillard. That's our challenge speech. to you today. If you're <laughs> a TikTok teen, I want you to lip sync the Rachel Seward. Any any of her things where she absolutely <laughs> takes down some shitty politician saying some disingenuous bullshit. Um, I think the bare minimum of a politician should be to at least yeah, sit up so- the back and I'll get fucked every time they try to take away your legal rights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joel Fitzgibbons is a cunt. I... <laughs> Yeah, no, like, she's going to leave a massive hole in Australian politics and I really hope the Greens do a good job in filling it with someone who is just as angry and just as vocal mm-hmm. and just as proud and just as active. Yeah, for sure. Um, as for actions this week, uh, I-, I will say that the Wangan and Jugalingu traditional owners who are fighting to defend their lands from Adani uh, have a war chest for that and you can donate to it. So if you're uh, listening to that bit and thinking like, oh, if only there, were, there was a way that I could uh, stand in front of... Of a of a, a, a Dani bulldozer, like yeah. uh, you can put your wallet in front of an Adani bulldozer, <laughs> and not in a way that's like giving it to them. Yeah, because if you give them if you give them money, that means that maybe there's a protester there can be there that day because they've got some money t- for you know whatever they need that might have otherwise kept them from protesting. Yeah, do it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love it if you got in touch with us. You can do so via the email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Hit us up on the socials at notgoodpod. And definitely, please share this with as many people as you think would be interested and some that you think might not like it. <laughs> Tell them it's a video game podcast. Yeah, troll them with it. Prank us. Prank, prank them. <laughs> <laughs>
Not good enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.